1: Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects that you are talking about in football. I'm Ian McGarry and I'm pleased to say with me, as usual, is Duncan Castles, Uh, we have, of course, all of the exclusive uh, information regarding uh, the upcoming transfer window in January, uh, which includes uh, Liverpool's search for a striker, uh, as well as well, one Duncan, of course, that we have been reporting on for, it seems like an age now, um, but also um, a couple of others which perhaps are a little bit left field, but nonetheless um, extremely interesting. Uh, we'll start with uh, Liverpool and uh, their interest in Bukayo Saka. Uh, the Arsenal striker, who uh, an England national, obviously, um, who has been making a uh, very good impression with recent performances, uh, we have reported on the transfer Pod- window podcast that Liverpool um, are looking to the future with regards to uh, the fact that they expect to sell. Um, at least two of their attacking players. Saka is someone who is uh, a player who suits Liverpool's style. Obviously, he's dynamic um, in terms of the way that he um, converts chances and also uh, someone who... uh, can play in different positions as well. Uh, Duncan, I don't think Saka's necessarily going to be that very expensive um, with regards to the current market. Would you
0: see him as a good fit for Liverpool? I can understand why he's been included in that list of um, potential additions. As we reported some time ago, this is a priority area for Liverpool to recruit in. They're ready to do something in the January window if the right opportunity presents itself and if they can secure the the quality of player they want um, this coming month. But more likely, this is going to be a deal for the summer. Uh, We've talked in detail about how Liverpool have a strategy of turning over their their squad. You've got Firmino, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane all entering into their 30s um, all to a level of performance during the time they've been at Liverpool where they thought they could get big transfer fees for them. The original strategy would have been to to try and get 200 million euros or more for one of um, Mane or Salah and, and replace. That's kind of been taken away from them by the way the market has changed. Uh, because of COVID and with clubs like Paris Saint-Germain focusing on on free agents, um, Real Madrid saving their money for Kylian Mbappe. Uh, and as we, we've talked about some time ago, and I think people have um, added to that reporting in this past week, um, Erling Haaland uh, being joint targets in attack and Barcelona pretty much taken out of the picture when it comes to these big ticket signings in terms of contract and transfer fee. Um, but they they feel they need to refresh. They're looking for the right player at the right time. We told you recently that they've been in contact with um, Luis Diaz, the uh, Porto forward, who I think is similar in in type and style to to Saka in that he's someone who plays with high energy. Um, You can see him fitting into the pressing game that Liverpool like to put in place he scores goals has a has a flexibility to play um across the three positions in attack um we told you that Porto did not want to sell in january and would therefore insist on the full 80 million euro release clause to let him let diaz go in this this coming window but would be negotiable in the summer um Saka Look, the contract situation is that it runs until 2024. It's a contract he signed in 2020. He's not at the top level of of payments in the Premier League um, because of his age and because that contract in 2020 he was the first major professional contract of his career. So from, from that perspective, um, not as expensive as some players would be, although um, Diaz also not well paid at Porto. So... Um, perhaps Diaz would be cheaper in salary terms than Saka. I think the difficulty is, as always, extracting a player from another Premier League side. Um, What they can offer Saka is to be truly competitive at the top of the division, to be fighting for the Premier League title and to be fighting for um, the Champions League trophy, a competition he's not played in yet. But I think with that three years, left on the contract um, they probably have to wait a little bit longer uh, before getting into a stage where they can they can get the fee at a reasonable level from Arsenal because Arsenal will not want to sell a player of Saka's status and, and potential um, 78 Premier League games he's played now 11 goals in the Premier League and 13 assists uh, a fairly regular England international too just 20 years of age. I, I understand why he's on that list and and you have the advantage, of course, which is always something that's in consideration for top teams in the Premier League that you're signing a homegrown player and signing an England international um, with the, the, the sort of media status and profile that comes along with that.
1: I mean, my understanding uh, is uh, that there have been talks with his representatives, Duncan, with regards to um, giving him a contract upgrade at uh, Arsenal. Uh, they realise that they have a talent on their hands who could be potentially worth a lot more money in the future. But not only that, um, from a sporting point of view, uh, someone who is uh, establishing himself as a starter in the Arsenal team which has improved mm, quite considerably really uh, in the last two or three months under Mikel Arteta and that Sakao uh, has um, been part of that process that has been uh Determinate with regards to uh, taking the pressure off of Arteta, who some Arsenal fans were calling to be sacked uh, not that long ago. Um, He's obviously an exciting uh, talent uh, in terms of the way he plays, uh, the goals he scores, uh, etc., and as you said, as uh, an England international, that brings with it a prestige and status, which uh adds to his value um with regards to uh what uh his next move or indeed if he stays at Arsenal. Uh however, um Liverpool, as you'd rightly say, would provide the opportunity and platform for him to play and to compete at the highest level and um, would certainly be something um, that I'm told uh, he and his representatives are very interested in.
0: Look, There's no question that Liverpool are on a different tier to Arsenal now and have been for a substantial period of time. Um, you talk about the improvement in results, that, that is clear at Arsenal and they are currently in a position where they are fourth and uh, and could qualify for the Champions League for the first time for a very long time. But it, they're in a, a big fight for that position um, with Tottenham, Manchester United in particular, not that far behind. A number of clubs um, fighting for that fourth place. If you give Bukayo Sako a straight choice between being um, signed to be a central component of the next Liverpool attack or um, remaining at Arsenal. From a sporting perspective, Liverpool would be the more attractive um, option of the two.
1: One striker who uh, I think we would both agree Um, who will not be joining Arsenal, is Kylian (laughs) Mbappé. However, uh, he did give quite an interesting interview uh, to CNN uh, this week, in which he was uh, very forthright and honest with regards to his future. Not that, of course, um, we've ever doubted that he will be leaving Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, in the summer, and of course he is out of contract as well. Uh, But he did uh, say that he felt that his career needed to progress um, in a way that it probably wouldn't at PSG, despite the fact uh, the resources and obviously the ambition... Of um, the owners of PSG being um, winning the Champions League, but Liga uh, is not necessarily uh, the place to be. I think you've got some
0: information regarding his future. I think. um, Well, you mentioned Arsenal in there. Amusingly, he was asked about Tottenham. uh, The interviewer being a Tottenham supporter (laughs) and. and also uh, recently being asked by, uh, by a, a Hollywood actor if, if he could come to, to Tottenham in the future. And, and, and who was uh, a Hollywood actor? Tom Holland. Um, but uh, his response was... Okay, I, I, I've got no idea who that is, but yeah, I, I <laughs> but don't, that's, my, that's, that's my ignorance rather than, rather than anything else. His, his response was uh, I, I, to laugh and say, I don't think I will play for Tottenham in my life. Um, so I think you can add Arsenal and Tottenham to the list of clubs that Kylian Mbappé is unlikely to join. Um, the background to this is that Mbappé held talks with Real Madrid um, in December. Um, obviously not direct talks um, through use, using intermediaries to discuss the strategy to enable that move that both parties want. Um In those talks, the the conclusion was reached that they would not finish a deal and not attempt to finish a deal in the January window, even though in, what, two days' time, he is formally and legally entitled to speak to Real Madrid and could sign a pre-contract if he wanted to. The primary reason for this is that Real Madrid were drawn with Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. Mbappe wants to respect the club, and he doesn't want any problems in his last six months at PSG. He wants to win the Champions League with Paris Saint-Germain and believes he has a good chance of doing that. So he feels, and the people around him feel, that were he to sign that pre-contract with Real Madrid, there's a possibility that Qatar could instruct Maurizio Pochettino to downplay um, Mbappe's position in the team um to reduce his chances of operating and therefore affect the the sporting performance of the team and, and his own opportunity to win the Champions League doesn't want that complication real madrid also feel that it's not would not be a good idea to um try and force the deal to closure at this stage given that they have to play paris saint germain given the complications that would have um entering into the match they know the way qatar behave they experience what happened in the summer when uh, when they made multiple offers um substantial offers uh, to pay a transfer fee for a player who's going out of contract in a year's time um and had them rejected by qatar the last of those offers being 200 million euros um so they are confident they have this deal in place when it's safer to conclude. And therefore, you have you have a situation where Mbappe and Real Madrid have agreed, we leave it till the summer. Um, we want this to happen. The intention is there on both sides, but the timing is bad from a sporting perspective. Then you see Mbappe give this interview to CNN, where he's specifically asked about joining Real Madrid in January. And he closes the discussion down, um, saying, No, not me Um, in January. No, I'm in PSG. I'm really happy. I will finish the season 100%. I will give everything I have to win the Champions League, the league, and the cup, and to give all the pleasure to the fans because they deserve it. And I think I deserve to win something great with PSG. Um, When he was pressed on whether he would be at Real Madrid next season, he laughs. Uh, and says, I think really it is not for me the moment to talk about it because we have, like I said, in the most por- important part of the season, we play Real Madrid. So the only thing I have in my mind is to beat Real Madrid in February and March. The other things are not in my mind. Um, so I think it's very clever. Um, I, I think you know, Mbappe comes across as a very intelligent person in that, in that CNN interview um, with his command of English exceptional. Uh, and his comfort in, in the interview situation, obviously um, impressive given what he's being asked about, the difficult questions being put to him. And, and what he's done is he's he said, I'm staying. Um, I'm not going to talk about the summer, but I have complete commitment to the PSG cause for the rest of the season. I'm not not going to apologise for what I said after the, uh, the move to Madrid was blocked by Qatar in the summer. I, I I was right to say how I felt, and I was honest in my feelings. Um, but forget about January uh, and and try and kill the discussion for the rest of this month. Um, but Madrid are confident that this deal will be done in the summer, and uh, and are out focusing attention not on other deals, including uh, a centre back with um, Antonio Rudiger. One of the strong options for them I'm told they don't have financial terms agreed with Rudiger yet uh, for a summer free transfer. But they, they feel it's progressing in the right direction and that they their financial offer will be superior to Chelsea's. Um, and they're working on Haaland, as, as we told you um, in the summer window, uh, on the the information that they've received from Haaland that he, his preference is to go there. Uh, and they're working through the process of dealing with Mino Raiola and his um, salary demands and more importantly his demands for a a huge commission on the deal that that is the complication on the Holland side as far as they're concerned they believe they have the player on board they, they there's a, a degree of doubt as to how Raiola and Holland's father will respond and whether Holland's preference to go to Madrid will will stick should they um, refused to pay the, the degree of commission that uh, Raoul and his father want, um, and Raoul and, and uh, Haaland's father advise him to go elsewhere.
1: And of course, as we reported in Transfer Window podcast, uh, recently uh, Manchester City have actually agreed, uh, in principle, to pay all of the the demands uh, of both Raiola, Alfenga Haaland and the contract demands of the player himself. But, of course, this could be a sporting decision as well as a financial one for Haaland. With regards to Mbappe, Duncan, there's more chance of me playing for Tottenham than there is him. Um, Or indeed Mbappe's mum is his agent <laughs> signing for Tottenham, <taught. laughs> and there is of her son, uh, as uh, she is his um, agent. <music> A different subject. Uh, You have some information regarding a player who is emerging as one of the brightest talents in English football. Um, A player who was signed by Brighton Hove Albion from Chelsea for what now seems like an absolute bargain fee of around £3.5 million. Um, Obviously, he had an injury setback with regards to... to his playing time but now back in the team and uh, obviously not suffering any long-term impact or uh, from that injury uh, and uh, having a, a, a very big influence with both his defending and his attacking qualities. Uh, Tarek Lamptey is someone who uh, it looks like um, will be a future star and um, Brighton will probably have a decision to make, as he did with Ben White, um, regarding his future and uh, deciding whether or not they can hold on to him or sell him. Um,
0: what would you think? Um, well, I think it's, it, what you have here is Arsenal, um, who had an interest in Lamptey when he emerged on the scene, um, in the Premier League before that uh, that difficult injury that you you referred to uh struck him. Um they, they are looking again to sign him um and exploring the the parameters of, of the deal. Um look I, I think Lamte's an exceptional attacking fullback. Um I think the limitation on him is is his height um one meter sixty three and I think he you therefore need to be playing in a, in a defense, which is either using wing backs or, um, playing the, the full backs very progressively, um, in order for him to be a good fit. Um, and, and I think you, you, you've kind of sum it up quite well there. It's with Brighton, the policy of the club is if they get offers from higher status teams, um, which are attractive to players. They will not stand in the way of the move assuming they're asking price for the player is met and that's what we saw with Ben White. Um, the Brighton owner, Tony Bloom, wanted £50 million pounds for White. That was his valuation of the player. Um, he Arsenal went through a series of offers um, until they got to the, that number uh, at, with bonuses added to it uh, and then Bloom said yes um, I'll allow the player to go. You met Expectations. Um, I I can't prevent him from leaving. I, I think you will look at the the same scenario with Lampy, um, who's under contract until twenty twenty five. Brighton will be happy to have discussions as long as their um, price tag for the player uh, is achieved in the in the ultimate uh, transaction. You
1: certainly, um, I mean, you mentioned his height um, with regards to uh, the the defensive um, aspect of his game, Duncan. Um, I was at the Brighton versus Wolves game and um, one of the directors of the club, um, when, when Brighton got a corner, said... Well, there's no point in having a corner because we've got no height in the team. And the reason, of course, being that Lewis Dunk uh, and Shane Duffy uh, were both missing, as was Adam Webster. And um, that's been one of Brighton's uh, sort of uh, go-to default positions in terms of scoring goals. Um has been set pieces in in the time that they've been in the Premier League, um, Lamptey obviously does not uh, come into that category with regards to um being able to score goals, uh, you, as you say with his height, um, that doesn't seem to be the case at Arsenal though. I mean, we saw Kieran Tierney score. Um, uh, he himself. Is under six feet tall. Um, but because of the way that Arsenal play um and play through teams, uh, and obviously uh they play diagonals and also into channels, uh, which encourages the wing the, uh, the fullbacks or wing backs, whatever you want to call them, uh to get forward and obviously uh create or indeed um take Conversion opportunities in the in the team. Um, it seems to me that Lamptey, uh and Arsenal are quite a good fit.
0: Yeah, and the other, I think the other question at Brighton and Hove Albion at the moment is the degree of fit um, between their technical director Dan Ashworth and Newcastle United. Um, obviously, we re- we've reported on Brighton. Uh, granting Newcastle United permission to formally speak with Ashworth about that role um, and the offer that uh, he has been presented with, um, basic £2 million with substantial bonuses on top, um, and the decision that he has to make as to whether to remain at, at Brighton, which is a very well structured and well run club with a, a, a clear um, path uh, of progress to them and a, and a lot of. Um, Intelligent football operators around, um, or or move to Newcastle, where there's the opportunity because of the the money that has been made available by uh, PIF, the the Saudi Arabian uh, sovereign wealth fund, to build a club who whose ambition is to be uh, challenging to win the Premier League and win the Champions League within five years. Um, it's obviously a different level in which to work from anything that Ashworth has experienced before with its own challenges and also um, a job with substantial risk because there's not a great deal of football knowledge amongst the decision makers at Newcastle United at the moment and they are in a a relegation uh, position and look in great danger of going down so he could end up, if he takes that job, in the Championship inside um, six months. Um, So... That, I think, is the big question. The, the, the guidance I have I, I, and the feeling at Brighton is that he is leaning towards taking the job. Um, I think we should see a resolution to that in in the next few days. It, it could be a combination of Dan
1: Ashes and Eddie White. Um, should that be the case, um, which would be interesting. Um, but, of course, as you point out, Duncan, um, It's an opportunity uh, which any technical director with regards uh, to the resources available to him and uh, the ambition as well of the club is uh, extremely seductive uh, in terms of, you know, the potential to uh, succeed. Uh, However... um, what I do know about Brighton Hove Albion is that they're a very um, let's say steady and well structured club. Uh, I heard someone say recently um, that there's only one player who's left Brighton Hove Albion um, that the club the club wanted to stay. And one of the reasons is that uh, Brighton Hove Albion is not just a football club, it's a family club, and also it's a way of life um, because it's uh, a very nice way of life uh, on the South Coast. Uh, and ov- obviously, with a very, very um, generous uh, owner in Tony Bloom with regards to um, giving the players and the coaching staff and administrators um the opportunity to operate at the highest level um is also something which needs to be considered uh, indeed when they achieved uh, their um survival in the premier league uh one player told me um that he'd never been so moved As to when uh, effectively the tea lady came in uh, uh, to the canteen at the club and said um, she was almost in tears uh, because she had received, just like every other employee all the way down the structure of the club, uh, a bonus on her salary. And she said, I can take my husband on holiday to the Caribbean, which is something he has always wanted to do. Um, And that is maybe a small detail, but it does give you an understanding of why people uh, would, or at least um, consider staying there rather than moving elsewhere. So, um, So, yes, big decision for Dan Ashworth. He's an ambitious man obviously, from West Bromwich Albion to the Football Association before going to um, the Amex. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. And, of course, you will hear the news first here on the Transfer Window podcast. Duncan, is hero and villain time. One of our favourite parts of the week, although my particular favourite, of course, is the Donkey Award. Um, but uh, I understand that Hero and Villain is probably your favourite part because you don't get as much abuse <laughs> for for choosing your Donkey uh, Award winner uh, of any given week. So I will, uh, of course, defer to you and say, uh, please give us your Hero
0: Unless it's Tottenham, Hotspur fans objecting to us putting the 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 uh, the question out there that um, England captains get favourable treatment from English referees in the Premier League. Apparently, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a r- or, or, ridiculous suggestion to make.
1: Or- Exactly, oh, or indeed that I have got more chance of playing for Tottenham than uh, Mbappé
0: has. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what the reaction is to that one. Um, Hero, Hero of the week is Kylian Mbappé uh, in tandem with Robert Lewandowski um, for an interview they gave in which they were asked about Shani uh, Infantino's uh, proposal for a biennial World Cup and and as a result of that biennial Euros and biennial um, Copa Americas etc um and uh and uh made it quite clear that they along with another number of uh, of the most important players in the world are opposed to this um proposal uh, that Arsene Wenger has been used to to push and promote um on the basis that it would reduce the quality of the game and reduce the uh the the impact of the world cup um Mbappe was his particular comment again, um, very well expressed and 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 intelligently made. Was that the the World Cup is the best competition in the world? If you hold it every two years, it can start to be normal to play in a World Cup. I want to say that's not normal. The World Cup should be something amazing. We play over sixty games in a year. You have Euros, the World Cup, now the Nations League, so many competitions. We are happy to play, but when it's too much, it's too much. We have to recover. We have to stay relaxed. If people want to see quality in the game, the emotion, to see what makes the beauty of football, I think we have to respect the health of the players. Um, and I think he is absolutely right on this. And and I think it's it's one of the great concerns about this proposal is that footballers, the actual guys who provide the entertainment, the intrigue, uh, the quality on the field of play will do not have a vote on this. This is going to be decided by the presidents of the federations, um, and all of the, the, the FIFA member nations, or at least the ones that Infantino has allowed to vote Who hasn't, hasn't taken voting rights away from them. And there are a number of, of cases of, of uh, world uh, of global football federations where um, FIFA have intervened to put their own, effectively put their own uh, regulators in charge of, of associations. The key, the key point is their motivations might be very different from the players. Uh, and I think it's a serious problem for football that we're, we have a decision being made over something so fundamental where the, the most important participants do not have a formal vote do not have a formal say in what happens, and and we could end up with another big problem in the game when we're we're about to have and see you um take place with the Qatar World Cup, but on a, on a I think on a much greater scale if we go to biennial World Cups.
1: Well, as someone who has had, um, if let's just say a few run-ins with Arsene Wenger <laughs> over the years, including asking him if he was going to resign having gone out of the Champions League uh, group stages after defeat against Valencia, um, I'm kind of not really in a position uh, to say that I'm a a great friend. Uh, However, he has always been very kind to me, but my villain is going to be Gianni Infantino, um, whom I sat in an office with uh, not so long ago. when Michel Platini was um, president of UEFA and uh, he was, let's just say, hawkish, uh, I would describe him as, um, and clearly extremely ambitious in terms of his own future Um, and also uh, smiled when uh, Platini said, uh, in response to a question about uh, any ambitions to become Sepp Blatter's successor as uh, president of FIFA. Um, he said he's got big his big house in Geneva, uh, which he, he meant FIFA headquarters, and I got my big house in Neon. Why would I want to be president of FIFA? Which, of course, was a complete lie. And Infantino then, I think it's fair to say, stabbed his boss in the back um, when it became clear that he himself wanted to be president of FIFA. So my villain of the week is Infantino, and I suspect my villain uh, of the week in the future will also be Gianni Infantino uh, as this row rumbles on With regards to the uh, World Cup uh, proposition um, in terms of uh, player welfare that Kylian Mbappe um, and others, uh, ex-players as well, have condemned. So this has been uh, the news before it becomes news, as you know, uh, on the Transfer Window podcast. You can find us and please do engage with us on our social media platforms. We're at Transfer Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter. Duncan is at Duncan Castles on Twitter. I'm at Garbo SJ. Get in touch. Tell us your opinions. And of course... Well, if they're interesting, we'll certainly mention them. Simple as that. Uh, You can always find us uh, on YouTube as well. Just search at Transfer Window Podcast and you can listen there. Until then, uh, we do wish you a very, very uh, happy holiday period as well as um, uh, coming into the new year. Um, enjoying the transwonder podcast in 2022